This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival and Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. I'm your host, John Brooks, and with me, as always, is co-host Kevin Miller. How are you, Kev? I'm pretty good, thank you. Wonderful. We had a fun little surf today down at the inlet. Yeah, we did, and uh, I've been seeing a lot of inlet summer license plates lately, just uh, popping up around town. We should bring that up because... Because that is how um, Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation generates money that they then turn around and utilize and donate to organizations in the state of Florida that either help preserve surfing's culture or help preserve the evolution of the future of surfing's culture. And well the, said. The ocean and the environment and yeah, this it, one, wonderful it, playground that we get to surf in. Yeah, in Florida we have a, the option for about 150 different license yeah, plates. More, maybe more than any other state, I, I feel like. It's out of control. But uh, the one that uh, you know is popular in surf towns, obviously, is the endless summer license plate. It says at the bottom has a nice image of a surfer holding a longboard. But, yeah, that's a great thing to support when you are renewing your tag. See if you can't grab one of those and you'll be supporting this podcast indirectly. Yes, it's wonderful, and we thank them for that. And um, Today's yeah. guest is exciting for us, right? It is. It is. I, I can remember going back a few years, back in the heyday of surf magazines and, um, you know, teams doing trips and coming out with right. movies, like every few months, you know. Yeah. You couldn't hardly open a magazine or put a video in without seeing Nate Tyler. That's right. And, you know, 2015 is when, you know, we met him at the festival. They were touring Psychic Migrations with Volcom. Uh, Ryan Thomas was there. We had a, an unbelievable two nights. Joe G was there along with, you know, great cast of characters from the movie. So a lot of fun to see Nate and meet him in person. Yeah, it was fantastic and uh, had been... Uh, kind of seeing his career catapult for a while because, like I said, for a, for a while there, you couldn't open a magazine and not see a picture of Nate Tyler doing an air with some crazy badass backdrop in the background. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. This is a great opportunity to just get more about his, you know, unique story about growing up in, you know, off the coast of, just off the coast of uh, California. Yeah, he's... um. He's an anomaly. Most of the guys in California come from like Orange County, San Diego, uh, a few from Santa Barbara, but he's uh, a, probably a good hour plus north of Santa Barbara in a zone that not many professional surfers come from. It is one of the most beautiful places on earth. I've been fortunate to be there. He makes it sound enticing. It is stunningly beautiful and there's super fun waves, but um, yeah, there's just not a lot of surf industry up there. And so... Um, for him to carve out a career as a professional surfer and um, and and stay in that area, start a family. Yeah, start a family and and continue in his father's footsteps as an artist and a sculptor. Just it's a really cool story. This is another one of those podcasts that I would qualify or not qualify, but like categorize as one of the more meditative, wonderful listens that kind of lowers your blood pressure. Yeah. Like a good surf movie should. Yeah. You know, in some cases you should increase your blood pressure before a session or whatever, but this is such a good fun chat with a guy that I've admired all the hard work he's put in the water and out. Uh, so enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a really fascinating guy and we're uh, super stoked to chat with him and catch up and see what he's been doing the last few years. So yeah. Enjoy a chat with Nate. All right. 
Yeah, because so my question was, your property is up. It's up. Um, I can't remember. Is it like Morro Bay, Cayucas area? Yeah, so it's like the hills of Cayucas is what I always okay. call it. Um, nice. It technically, it's like, it's right in between. If you kind of formed a triangle of Templeton, which is like a random little inland town. Yep. About 20 miles from the beach. And then Cambria and Cayucas. So like a little triangulation there. Okay. We are right in the middle of those three towns. So okay. we're only eight miles from the beach, but the little windy road, it takes probably 20 minutes or something out here. But yeah. um, we get a lot of good like coastal influence and, you know, that those inland towns get so hot in the summer, real hot and dry. And oh, yeah. Pretty fortunate we're like right in the middle because that that's why this region's become such the the wine region because um, we get like 40 degree temperature swings between the coast and inland within yeah. like literally like 15 miles. There's that big of a swing. It's yeah. pretty crazy. And it looked like um, from when we saw you on the video, it looked like you, you guys have a, you're have a little bit of elevation. So are you up out of like the, the fog if it's like, you know, June gloom stuff? Yeah, we are, we are right out of the fog. So Perfect. we're actually on, um, we, we definitely have, we're like up on a ridge, so we have a really cool like forest view looking out through the canyon, but we are not looking at the ocean. So like a couple properties over is where that like last Santa Lucia coastal range is, and they have the most incredible views of like all of Estero Bay. Wow. And so we're one behind that, but the I guess sort of the the good thing about that is the the ridge we're on, one behind them, that's where the fog like dissipates. Like you can nice. walk, I can look out right now and see fog creeping over the hill and then it just burns up by yeah. the time it gets to us. So we're Perfect. in a pretty sweet spot for that. But oh, that's epic. I'd probably trade that for the view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, I yeah. Could, if I could go back in the 70s when my parents bought this property. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's been in your family a long time. Yeah. This, this exact property um, is... It's pretty crazy. I mean, this is kind of a long story if you wanted to go into storyish time, sure. but I guess that's sort of the, the name of the podcast. That's so. the whole point. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what's really unique about this property for me and, and I guess for my wife too, but, but just essentially my family and raising my kids out here is um, this property was bought by my mom and my dad in 1979 with four of their like best friends. They were all in the Santa Barbara area mm -hmm. and they were all, um, I guess, I mean, call them artists, maybe starving artists back then, craftsmen, mm -hmm. but they all did this. Uh, it was like this, it's like a craft show. It was called the, the Sunday beach show down in Santa Barbara. And so they all became really good friends. They did that for like whatever, 10 years leading up to that. And, uh, it's where they, they would sell all their handmade, like my father's always been a metal worker. My mom's always been a woodworker. And so they'd sell all their goods down there every Sunday. And, uh, anyways, getting back to it, it was <clears throat> there with all their friends. And, and I think my dad found the property and, uh, anyways, it's, it was 160 acres back in 1979. I think it was 180,000 or something. Cause it's, wow. it's just beautiful country. So it was like a thousand dollars an acre. And so wow. they all went in and, um, bought it together and split it up internally with w kind of portions of how much people put in. So, sure. um, yeah, so that was when they bought it and they first, before I was around, um, I, I was born in 83. So the first kind of four years they had it, they lived in various, uh, dwellings like, a they built a teepee first and then they built this pretty elaborate tree house, which is the shell of it still is right over me in this tree right here. But, um, wow. yeah, so it's pretty crazy. And they lived like that pretty rogue for four years while they were saving money. And then they built this little cabin, which is now my, um, the master bedroom. And, and it's kind of cantilevered off the side of the hill, all with the, the anticipation of what they're going to build the main structure of the home later on. Okay. And so, you know, that for work, they still, they only did, they, they, they worked with their hands and they built their, their art and they sold it every weekend. So uh, obviously with everything's relative, but I think relative to now, they still would be pretty modest, their income. Sure. So they would, whatever money they saved up, they would, um, they would just put it into the house. And, 
so I, by the time I was 12, it was done just for, um, just so you have like kind of something to gauge that off of. It yeah. took him 12 years to build the house. So <laughs> pretty amazing. Wow. Like for me, I grew up in a construction zone, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it was so slow moving, but I mean, it's cool because we're out in the middle of the woods. Like I remember skateboarding on the slab for years while it was there and, you mm. know, it's just, I don't know. It was really fun times. Nice. And they, they built everything by themselves. So it's pretty cool. And do they still live out there on the property with you? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you'd have to fast forward a lot of years and a lot of, uh, shit that went on, but, um, they, they ended up getting a divorce is the crazy. So the craziest uh. part of all of this is they ended up getting a divorce and they sold it sadly enough, shortly after it was done. I think I was like 12 or 13, they split and as what usually happens, they, um, they wanted to keep the house, but it didn't work out. So they sold the house. And, um, so then you fast forward to, I think it was like 2000, uh, I think it was 2009, um, kind of weird housing area that we were all in. Yeah. And, um, and oh, I'm sorry. I got to backtrack one second. Uh, so, so when they split, my mom moved into town, uh, with us, which was when you're 13 or whatever was the hugest thing ever. Cause we got sure. to ride our bikes to school and concrete and ocean and all that stuff so it was a big change from out in the woods so my mom moved to town my dad actually took his portion of the sale and randomly the the neighboring 15 acres was for sale so he bought back into the property but it only had a little cabin again so he sort of hit the reset button but he was still out here on the property because okay. he loves it so much um so then that's kind of it the, the the family house was sold my mom and us, we were in town. My dad was still out here. He solidified his spot. And then, um, so then fast forward to like 2009, my wife and I were on a dif different trajectory where we wanted to just spend no money. So we took all of our money and you guys may have seen stuff over the years or we've talked about it, but that was, that was the era when my wife and I lived in a yurt before we had any kids or anything. Oh, yeah. We lived in a yurt for, we, we built a yurt on my dad's property, kind of like a Canyon over on his 15 acres. Okay. And just, uh, went, totally off grid hand built this yurt uh all solar propane like we were completely removed from bills and just every little bit of life um so then i'm sorry if this is long-winded no no i'm oh, totally loving killer, it man. this is fantastic yeah, okay cool I, I'm, I'm almost trying to like tone it down because it feels so long-winded nah. no um maybe if if you guys feel feel free to go back and have me elaborate on anything but um so then 2009, we, we live in the yurt for, actually, I'm sorry. We, I think we built the yurt in 2008. We lived in the yurt for about five years, which was pretty incredible. Wow. I was traveling a ton. That was sort of when my free surfing video surf career, whatever you want to call it, started to take off. And I was getting to travel a lot. And, um, and my wife has an amazing family. She's also from the area. So she had a big support crew around here and I don't know. We just loved it. We, we were so removed in that yurt and um, just saving every penny we had. And, and so anyways, one, one day I, um, dang it, I'm sorry. Okay. So then we found out that my wife was pregnant with our first. Okay. And, and for us, we were like, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. We're going to raise a kid in a yurt, but we're like, you know what? Like, why, why wouldn't we? It's, it's all we've known for the last five years and it's the most magical space ever. And so I went into just full crazy mode because I was freaking out that I was going to raise it. Cause the, the yurt was amazing, but it has such huge temperature swings. Okay. Um, uh, right. I mean, when it's hot, it is boiling in there. And when it's cold, you're like, building a fire all night long. That's and, something I uh, did not think about. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we're pretty moderate here, but it's, it's not like, uh, sorry, we're probably, we're pretty temperate, but it's not like what you would, you know, there, there's definitely certain climates that would, a yurt would do a lot better right. <laughs> than, than <laughs> say ours. Cause we get some big temperature swings, but, um, so yeah, I was just freaking out going like, I can't raise a baby in here. Like it just felt like a, a weird move on my part. So, what I started to do was I started to, I poured a slab because I was going to build a, 
uh, cabin that attached to the yurt sort of made, we already had a bathroom that was attached through a door and I was going to kind of in an L shape, I was going to make this cabin. And, um, so I was just head down going on that and did this amazing, like real insulated slab. It was just a very expensive piece of concrete essentially. <laughs> and I was super proud of it. And I was, you know, when I was, when I got back from this trip, I was gonna, um, I was getting ready to frame the little cabin and it was all timing out right for, for the birth of our first. And, um, I had a trip with Volcom back then and I, we went to Western Australia. So for us in California, it's, that's really far away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you got your whatever, 13, 14 hours to Sydney, and then you go across like the U S when you go to Perth. So it's like another five hours or however that works out and essentially got as far away from home as I almost could. And my wife sent me a link and it was our, our family, our old family house, the, the adjacent 20 acres was for sale. Whoa. And we just, uh. Yeah. It, it had never, it had not hit the market since, since my mom and dad sold it. Wow. And ironically, you have to drive by it to get to my dad's property. So we drove by it all the time, but the people that had bought it were really closed off and just, I mean, we're super deep out here. It's, it's behind a lock gate and it feeds kind of five families. This is the second to last house. My dad's is the last. So gotcha. it's, you're deep in the rough out here. Yeah. And uh, so I, I never t talked with them that much. They had a child that was my age and it obviously moved on and whatever. We were a lot older. So, but, um, so yeah, it was pretty incredible though, because just with where my wife and I were at in our lives, that was just like the hugest opportunity that I felt like anyone or anything or any higher being or whatever could have set in front of me given that exact time frame. So wow. I just, I freaked out and essentially, I mean, I finished my trip, but my headspace was not there. And I was just trying to figure out any way we could purchase the home. And so I don't know, it, it was a, it was a long process. Cause that was like the, you know, the, the whole, housing market everything was a short sale and that it, this house actually ended up being a short sale so it was just mm. a huge process yeah, but a lot of hurdles we, you know, so many hurdles i it gives me like the i don't know makes me sick thinking about back <laughs> on it but yeah i mean we ended up with it which was just super magical and the house was run down but we i don't know we ended up renovating it for almost like what my parents did for the last whatever 10 years so nice. yeah. but yeah yeah it's it's pretty crazy to to um have ownership of it again and it was really weird to watch you know separately obviously my mom and my dad both come in the house after we bought it oh yeah you know that it, it, it was a lot of excitement when they had heard we were purchasing it and then to watch them actually walk in was pretty funny just because of I don't know, obviously all the work and all the sure. history for them. So, but it's crazy. It's, it's just, I don't know. It feels really special to be, you know, if I repair a window, it's a stained glass window that my mom made or, you wow. know, it's, it's just crazy. It's like all, everything they put into it is still there, you know? That's nuts. Fantastic. Yeah. So cool. And then, um, if I remember correctly, you uh, you inherited a lot of that artistic ability, and you you do some like metalwork and stuff yourself, correct? Yeah. So obviously, with my dad being um, our next door neighbor, I when I was home and even predating any sort of surf travel I got to do or whatnot, I I would always, you know, he he's been his metals. So he's a metal kinetic sculptor. Um, hmm. So it's essentially. It's it's like exoskeleton, like metal sculptures and, and, you know, like in public places or whatnot. But majority mm -hmm. of time, those are static sculptures where they're just, they, they are what they are. Mm -hmm. um, my dad has evolved into being like a, the, the kinetic aspect of it is that they're perfectly balanced. And with any little gust of wind, they, they move perfectly in oh, wow. total random motion. That's cool. Yeah. That's amazing. So, it, it's kind of hard to explain without seeing one, but yeah. Um, well, yeah I remember, so they're, they're, I, I remember seeing a little piece. I think I can't remember if it was Volcom or globe that did it on you and you were, you were building some stuff. Oh yeah. That was a globe. That was one with yeah. G. Yeah. So that, 
that sort of that that would have showed you kind of how they are. Yeah, that's that's what I'm picturing in my mind as you describe that. Yep, exactly. And so they've they've been evolving. I've I've been a, you know, that my dad's he was 40 years into it, um, and it, you know there were some incredible artists in the past that were sort of my dad's heroes, like George Rickey. He was he, he's a pretty incredible guy to look up just because of what he created and and how long ago. But yeah, there really hasn't been that many kinetic sculptors in the with the metal as their medium so um yeah it's a pretty unique thing that my dad has carved out for himself and i've sort of been there with him through it but usually as like the little laborer like grinding and whatnot when i was younger (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah and then over these uh say like the last five years my dad's gotten to an age where he doesn't it's pretty you know, strenuous work on your, on your shoulders and your elbows and stuff. It's a lot of grinding, a lot of heavy lifting to balance the pieces. And he's just at an age where he's, he feels very fulfilled, like he's done it. And, um, so he has slowly trained me up over the last, you know, over a lot of years, but over the last five years, he was sort of telling me that retirement was near. And so he had me take it a lot more seriously. And so, yeah, he's, he's, uh, I think he's two years now totally retired and wow. he, he made sure that I had a good relationship with the galleries that he's a part of. So I've just sort of been very fortunate and got to turn key, like the keys to the castle, so to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've just been working on a lot of that art since I've been home a lot more. So that's cool. Do you guys photograph it and put it up on a website? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't know if they're made to order or, uh, yeah, well, to be honest, I'm, I've always been not the best in the self-promotion department and that sadly enough carried over into the art, which is a world where, you know, if I had a really nice website and whatnot, it'd probably be beneficial. But to be told, dad has had our last name is like established enough in the art world that, um, with the two galleries that he has been a part of, um, yeah, between just sort of consignment and commissions, it's been keeping me busier than um i could almost even fulfill wow that's great i mean yeah let them do that work and then you focus on what you're yeah yeah it lets you be a little more um i don't know discreet out there in the world (laughs) but yeah i i think over the years if it slows down which i'm sure it will then you know a website and all that would be uh would be very beneficial i i do take i take a lot of um videos and stills of them put it up on my instagram every once in a while but that's about it to right be honest. okay probably you, isn't that smart but <laughs> you want to give the galleries a shout out real quick yeah so there's um sculpture walk up in glen ellen which is like sonoma county um and that's that's a really my dad's been with them for gosh i think like 35 years or something okay. um it's beautiful that gallery is sort of has evolved it used to have a really large space where it was big grounds and just sort of it, as it sounds it's a sculpture walk where you walk along all this little riverside with uh, a lot of good restaurants and i don't know it's a really cool space it's a great place to go hang out um and then the other major gallery is the hawthorne gallery up in big sur wow so in beautiful setting there obviously just cantilevered over the pacific ocean so that one that one is great. The it's a bummer though. The highway one has been closed for a long time to through traffic. So like mm. any deliveries or visiting the gallery, I've got to go up and around because it's on the, the north side of sure of all that. Can you remind me what closed it? Oh, there's this this winter they had a um they had a series of, of mudslides and okay. um but there's one that's just ridiculously large and they've been they were working on it non-stop since whatever march and um wow. i guess it's just been continuing to move that mm. is just the most rugged terrain there it's 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 just an anomaly that there's even a road there I to agree. begin with so yeah. <laughs> i don't know when you, when you drive through and you see it you're like wait what oh, so it's one of those moments where it is the the earth is winning the battle yeah yeah well, for sure a lot of precipitation this last winter yeah. so yeah yes definitely indeed out here for sure 
Yeah, it was funny because I, I went, um, I grew up in Florida here, um, but then mm-hmm. I, I was lucky enough to go to school in Santa Barbara. And uh-huh. I used to do that drive up the PCH to San Francisco to visit friends and um, oh, yeah. coming from flat Florida. And then, yeah, it's you, you do. Like, I can remember driving up and just being like, how did they even build a road here in the first place? Like, this is nuts. I know. It's so crazy. I, it's, I, we're at the very southern end of Big Sur, so we have very similar terrain. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty used to it. But, yeah, every time I, I go to Florida, I, I just love it because I'm like, you go over a bridge and you're all of a sudden <laughs> at the highest point. <laughs> yeah. Like, looking around. Yeah. I remember taking my kids there for the first time. I'm like, you guys are going to trip out on just the, the the difference in the train from where you live to out here. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. It was, that was, it was a big eye opener for me coming from here and going there. I remember like going to Santa Barbara and walking out of that. We actually went when visited the college and we went, we stayed at a little hotel right on East beach there. And I like mm-hmm. walked out on East beach, like where the volleyball courts are. And I turned yeah. around and like, you can see just the, the bowl oh. of the town of Santa Barbara and you know, and it's, cupped by the mountains there and i just remember just being blown away and just being like holy cow this yeah this place is yeah. gorgeous <laughs> i know it. that that spot i still always stare at that when i have to drive down south exactly that bowl when you come into santa barbara on a clear day yeah such beautiful hills that just essentially roll right into the ocean there it's crazy i just drove across the usa with the kids and uh one of the Stark, most stark places I've ever driven was like Fort Sumner, New Mexico, which is where Billy the Kid was shot and killed. Wow. And we were coming east to uh, Lubbock. And it is from from Fort Sumner to almost to Lubbock. It is as flat as land as I've ever seen in my entire life and desolate and deserty. And, you know, the Great Plains has the cornfields and the irrigation and all that. This place was just as... uh, it just blew me away. It, you know, one yeah. of those oddities, just like Santa Barbara has its beauty. This has its sort of grit. Yeah, totally. I, um, I think it was, I think it was last year, but, um, I had a, a good friend that was, he rented out the Waco pool and my family and I, it was, it was for his birthday or whatever. And there was, it was kind of paired with a, you know, like, some filming and some photography and stuff for surfing. So I was like, okay, that'd be a fun trip to go. And I was obviously just going to fly out there and it kind of timed out well with a, my family and I had gotten my wife, like she's always on, she always tries to get sites, campsites in Yosemite. I don't know if you guys have Mm, ever been there, but it's, it's about as beautiful as something gets. So yeah, she had, she had locked in, four nights in Yosemite, which is a pretty long camp trip for, I've got three little kids and, and we're like, we were just looking at the map. We're like, you know what? Let's start the trip there and let's drive to Waco. Nice. (laughs) was the funniest thing ever because we did four nights in Yosemite and then we left like out of, you can go up and over like the Tioga pass, like towards Mono Lake there. Then you end up like mammoth. Mm -hmm. And then we were driving. We're like, you know what? why don't we go to Vegas? So then we went to Vegas. Yeah, baby. Yeah. We, were, we were the dirtiest humans ever. Oh, I love we, it. It was so good. So we pulled up, we got like a room at the MGM or whatever, and just everybody showered. It was like black bathtub. Oh, yeah. So we hung out there for, for two days and lived the polar opposite life of Yosemite. Oh, yeah. And, and then we are like, okay, and now we're going. And we went down to Sedona which was mm. super beautiful. I had never been there. Oh, that yeah. was pretty, that was very magical. And then kind of what you were saying, we, we started into New Mexico and it was just, I don't know. It was so bleak there. It was crazy. So, but we ended up making that part cool. We went up to Santa Fe and Taos and stuff like that. Nice. And then from there we drove straight to Waco. Okay. which was huge leg of the trip. Yeah, it's massive. Wasn't much to stop for. Yeah, that's and a big drive. Yeah, it was big. That's then like, we had a blast in Waco. We camped there along that Lake Waco, which was beautiful. Um, it is pretty there, isn't it? I mean, yeah. when you get to, like, Austin, the hills around Austin. and Yeah. Some, yeah I mean, it's it's got its, uh, you know, scenery. I, yeah, I was blown away with it. It was really beautiful there. But then we woke up. Um, we had had 
they had rented the pool for like two days, so we were completely torched. And oh, wow. we had gone big the night before everybody because it was his birthday. Mm-hmm. We woke up that next morning, and there was probably 15 of our closest friends, and they were all getting on a plane because we were the only ones that drove out there and the only yeah. ones that brought the family. <laughs> they all got on a plane, and we instantly got like crazy just jealous anxiety <laughs> that they were going to be home and we drove straight home. Oh, <laughs> my, wow. kids, my kids, my poor kids were pinned to an iPad for freaking hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> I think we stopped in like Phoenix or something for a little while, but then we just, we had to get home. It was a, that was wild. Wow. Huge you, road trip. You, you know what? I sort of miss it. And I mean, we, we did <laughs> yeah. stop for a few nights and, but I miss like just, covering ground there's something about the roll of the wheels and like just make i don't know i mean clearly this you know there's got to be something addictive about it some people love it but uh i oh, get yeah. I, I also get that feeling too when you're at the end of the trip you're like in new orleans and you got to drive to orlando and it's like 10 hours and you're like oh. i just want to put the put this the butt in an airplane seat i know it was so it was just so much worse that everybody's like we're gonna I'm home at 10:30 a.m. and we're like, wait, what? We're we're three 10:30 a.m.s away from home. That's like, right. <laughs> it's so wild. So it was a good motivator, though. But yeah, we blazed through. Did you ever see the movie The Last Picture Show by Peter Bogdanovich? No, I've I I definitely don't remember it. I would have been. I, I think I have, but I'm I'm blanking on it for it's sure. It's like I think seventies and Jeff Bridges is the star, Sybil Shepherd's in it. He shot it in black and white and it takes place in this like bleak, you know, Texas town, kinda like one of those Fort Sumner towns where there's like just one football field and the Jeff Bridges is the quarterback and Sybil Shepherd's the pretty girl. You know, it was it it's actually a really good movie and uh mm-hmm. I just uh I was thinking of that movie when I was driving through some of those towns. Just yeah. classic. It's it's different terrain, that's for sure. I think the coast is, whether it be Florida, the East Coast, or West Coast, I don't know. I think I'm just always going to be tied to the ocean somehow, given my past. That is <laughs> yeah. the disease. Pretty hard, pretty hard to be I, Yeah, else. I, I can't imagine living anywhere else. I love going and visiting mountains and, yeah. and inland and stuff, but... Yeah, I can't stay for too long, and I, f- I feel drawn back to the water for sure. Yeah, we, we are all the same, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I think David Scales interviewed some guy that was a bio, he's a biologist in Hawaii and he did a legit PhD study on the microbiome of people Mm -hmm. who are in the ocean frequently. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was cool. I, it was nice. oh, I think that's Cliff Capono. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think you're right. Oh, um, yeah, I did actually. I think I read that too. Good, good yeah, my, piece. My uh, my wife's sister, who's born and raised in the in our area, she married a a guy from he's from Omac, which is East Washington, and he um, 
and he obviously was living down here. He's like a lineman for PG&E, which is like our big power company. And, mm-hmm. and um, he he loved the area, but it was just the cost of living here is, especially our county, is, has gone like really through the roof. And so anyways, he was offered a job in Sandpoint, Idaho, which is um, the like up pretty north like very northern idaho in the panhandle part um on lake ponderay beautiful wow countryside but so then they ended up so he was offered a job there but then they moved 20 miles north to it's like almost bonner's ferry which is essentially you go 20 miles more roughly and you're at the canadian border so it's like way deep up there and so anyways, they moved up there. So we now find ourselves up there like every Thanksgiving or Christmas. Perfect. And we, we'll do the drive just because it's really fun, like go up Oregon and Washington and then cut over inland. But man, every, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's during the fall or the winter when the waves are fun, but I get so fidgety when I'm up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this... Like you're saying, it's beautiful up there. So I'm like, why couldn't I handle this? And But I don't know, like clockwork every... After like five days, I'm like, okay. Dude, I'm telling, I was six weeks away from the ocean and uh, got in the water two days ago for the first time. Oh, wow. And I, I mean, it was fantastic. I didn't care if I like did a maneuver. I was like standing on a board going down the line on a two foot wave, if that. And uh, I was it, was, it was such a happy, and today too, I'm, I'm so happy to be back, but there is something pretty amazing about driving through those sawtooth mountains and, you know, catching my yeah. and, oh my God, that's just, it, it's some of the prettiest country in the world. And, and we also did this drive side note to anybody who's doing these cross country drives. I would highly recommend the road from Ouray, O-U-R-A-Y, Colorado, down through Silverton to Durango. That's a absolutely beautiful, beautiful drive if you've never done that one. So make your way that way. Definitely never done that one. That sounds amazing. Oh, and by the way, um, who was it? Uh, Luke Cederman the other day. I was looking on Instagram. One of the funniest posts lately that I've seen was uh, he had discovered how to get surf when he was away from the ocean. And it was, <laughs> did you guys see this? And, yeah. And it was. Uh, I, I didn't see it, but I can only imagine it, it being was, that guy. Oh, he goes, I have advice for you if you want to get away from, you know, away from the ocean, you know, it's wake surfing basically. But um, the one piece of advice, you know, he's like, I have a, li- <laughs> he made it sound like he had a big list of advice on how to do it. And he goes, <laughs> number one, rich parents and <laughs> like flashes their rich parents. And then that's it. He goes, that's it. That's all the advice I have for you. <laughs> like I have any control over it. It was super funny. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a whole nother world away from that ocean. Yeah, for sure. Now, Nate, you said that you have been traveling less and um, hanging around home more. So what? Uh, just fill us in on what uh, you've been working on other than the, the sculpture stuff, obviously. But in the in the surfing realm, what have you been working on? Yeah, I've been not doing a ton in the surfing realm just because, you know, I, I mean, there's other factors there, too. It's just not the... Uh, the world it was where there's, you know, magazines and all the travel and all the like budgets there with the companies and whatnot. So yeah. I, I think I've I've like aged in a good time where I was mentally ready to not do as much traveling anyways. So um it's been it's been really fun to be at home and just sort of change pace in life and and that the hardest part of all that is usually mental too you know like a lot of physical but I don't know being where I was with surfing I was I was so inside my head that it was pretty pretty empowering to be able to kind of turn that around and find other beauties with life around here and have get other opportunities really fortunate with the sculptures and whatnot and it's just funny it like sort of rolled into the the industry like i was alluding to is that i just feel like there hasn't been all the travel and whatnot and yeah so i sort of got paired up with a couple of like different sponsors and one of them being 805 which is a beer company that's um is right down the road for me literally it's pretty funny it's like the closest business to where i live in the sticks like as soon as you go into town they're the first business and mm. and um they are i don't know they're they're obviously just They've been very supportive of me being who I am and 
being at home and being, you know, in my transition to being an artist and my family life and the polar opposite of what I was fortunate enough to get to do for many years prior to that, you know. So they've been fully supporting me and um, I've been doing a lot of just filming around home and we just came out with a new film that sort of dives into myself and Connor Coffin and professional skater Grayson Fletcher. And um, I don't know, it was just a really fun project to work on. Cool, cool to get to hang with those guys. And, and again, just a, a really amazing opportunity to get to be able to work in, you know, near home. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like. I that have film seen came out really well though. I was, I was very proud of it. That's great. I agree. I've seen it. Uh, I watched it uh, yesterday. I think while I was working, and uh, John hasn't seen oh, it yet. Great. But um, it it's very good, and I uh, I like the you know Perry's uh, tone of the movie too. It was very uh, I don't know how to say it. Like in my sort of uh, aesthetic, it's shot in black and white. Yeah. It's just. I mean, even though it is black and white, it is so colorful in, in its uh, in its palette. Even though you know you guys take a, a stark look at you know I, I don't know he just did a great job of uh, mixing in those those fireside chats with you guys and and then putting the action together. So well done on that. Yeah, and a funny insight to those like I'm I'm a I'm pretty opinionated like with friends and whatnot and i consider perry a really good friend and the whole time he's like oh we're gonna do this fireside chat i was like no you're not like you cannot put that in the film like <laughs> anyway so a lot of bickering and a lot of like fighting back and forth and i was just being a little whatever i just didn't want to do it and he um it was just funny though in the end it was it actually came out a lot better than i thought and it it made for some cool transitions like in, in yeah. the film um and yeah, I think Perry did such a great job with, it's really hard when you shoot three vignettes, right? right. Like of like a, one of Connor, one of Grace and one of myself. And, um, it's just, it's hard to keep like a cohesiveness going between vignettes, especially when it's, it's three different subjects and three very different subjects. And yeah, him and his good friend, Dana, he helped with the, um, the editing and Dana Shaw and he uh he did such a good job too like him and Perry worked really well together and and yeah it was it was crazy it was it came out really well really well done that's great I can't wait to see it yeah you it's guys funny I how you you said the black and white aesthetic um one thing I'll just add to that is uh we went to Northern California like the three so we we shot the three vignettes and that was all you know it's easy because you're at your house and whatnot. And then it was like the three of us had to get on the road and get what we were hoping for was like halfway decent waves. And and the, the bar was always pretty low because it was like everybody felt good about their vignette. And it's like, okay, we just need like all of us in the car and hopefully we get somewhat surfable waves. Yeah. And the first, the first trip or whatever we, or the first part of the trip, we got halfway decent waves pretty pretty mediocre waves but it was kind of cool it was like the three of us and you could feel it all starting to work and then um the last like three days of the trip we got we, we got really fortunate it, it still didn't look like the craziest waves but it, california and this was shot in like march so that is the oh. roughest time in california like <laughs> sure. springtime in california you are plagued by those northwest winds and essentially just no swell with any substance so to say and um we, we got really lucky and we got this this little swell and it turned into like just the most beautiful scene for three days in a row like emerald blue water these like high clouds that like every evening would like dip down and it i don't it looked like indonesia like it just like not the waves but the the overall setting it was like one of the most beautiful california settings i've ever seen and we were just watching the footage back and like you do like say at the end of the day or end of the trip and we're like okay like feeling really good about some clips and feeling really bad about ones you blew it on or whatever <laughs> just normal and but overall feeling super good and then somebody made the comment they're like you guys realize this has to go black and white right <laughs> it was just like the funniest moment for all of us because we're like you know as a 
I've just been around, been fortunate enough, been around a lot of, you know, film trips and whatnot. And you, the end of the day, you just, you know, the, the beauty of it is like makes the clip also. Like yes, you could do yeah. a halfway decent turn in a beautiful backdrop or sunset or something. And it just, that's the other element to the clip. And so I don't know, it was just really funny. We're like, oh no, it's going to be black and white because it was so pretty. <laughs> but then it's really crazy when those guys gave me the first viewing of the film it there was somehow like that shine through in black and white like I, I i don't even know how to articulate but it was just like it was pretty amazing how they made black and white look so beautiful you know it the way the sun hits the water in the and yeah in the palette yeah, within so, that black and totally. white is is you know because you, you had you described it well because the waves were really good and uh it had just a an ever so slight offshore breeze so you had a little ripple on the face of the wave and the way the sun caught that just really comes off the screen well and yeah just yeah uh, you could tell whoever's on camera and, and editing and you know we got i think a pro res version of it so uh it's uh it's a fine piece of work my friend you guys did a good job oh thank you so much yeah that was a that was a cool cool project and it was just cool for 805 you know like they're I guess what you'd call a non-endemic brand, but you know, there isn't many opportunities out there like, or many budgets out there, so to say, to, to let us go and make a film. So that was just really fun to have those guys put the trust in Perry and then in us to, to get a, make something when there's not many surf films, you know, not exactly. as many as before, you know, I don't, I don't personally get the opportunity to be a part of as many. So I, I find very, all three of you guys in it, an interesting uh, focus for a piece, like because, I mean, Grayson, you and Connor are not real outwardly, you know, pushing people. Like you guys are kind of, yeah. you know what I mean. So it, it really does pick. I mean, they picked three great athletes to uh, focus on your lives and uh, and take it from there. See what it's like. Just scratch a little bit further beneath the surface and see what you guys are all about. So that that was fun, man. And I think you know. We have some good news. Yeah, yeah. We actually uh, will be showing the film in November at our end of the year festival. No um, way. That's yeah. amazing. So, yeah, we're, we're stoked to have it as part of the lineup. And, um, yeah, maybe we can get you back out here. Just get in your oh car. Yeah, just drive. Just put the, fa- put the <laughs> kids in the car. I think I'd fly for that one. Yeah. My, <laughs> my missions I've done. Um, But, yeah, any excuse to bring... You guys had me out there for, I think it was Psychic Migrations. for Psychic migration. Migrations, yep. Yeah. That's right. And that was, I had had my second child. That was so fun. So any excuse to bring my family back out to New Smyrna, I would, I will jump on. Yeah, it'd be great. That. You guys should come out early or stay late and hang out and surf a bit. Yeah, we would love to. Our man Joe G moved to Florida, as you well I know. <laughs> so we'll have to get him up here if you come on out. Him and Tim. Him and Tim exactly. both, yeah. Yeah. They left me in California, but no, man, they, <laughs> they seem like they're they're back in their happy place. So, no, I'd love to come out and see all you guys. That'd be great. And, and I just love the uh, the experience you guys have at that at the festival. It's so fun. Thanks oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is our yeah. uh, this is our tenth year. It's our ten year anniversary this year. Wow. Believe it. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we, I, I think we gave you a little heads up on this. Uh, what you've provided already is ample surf stories, uh, or or at least surf adjacent stories. But uh, we're just kind of wondering if you have anything in the in the well that you'd like to break out today in the way of surf stories. I don't know. To be honest, it was funny. It was almost like segued so easily into them that I I feel like I almost. Uh, gave you the ones I was thinking of, but if you have another topic, you can throw one at me. Oh, no, no. I think you've, you've got to... I do have a topic, though. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah go ahead. All in, right. in, in my mind, um, like, you were never a guy, um, at least at the peak of your career, you were never a contest guy. You were free surfer, and, and at, at the top of that, um, you know, in, in the upper echelon of there's a handful of guys that could earn a living you know, without having to do any contests. And, um, I feel like one of the things that you were really adept at was, um, getting these really amazing photographs and video parts with really interesting backdrop. 
Um, mm -hmm. It seemed like some, I don't know if that was intentional on your part. And I'm sure that's part of just where you live because I've been lucky enough to surf a little bit around there too. And there's just, it's, you know, it's the opposite of Florida. It's, there's so many little nooks and crannies and uh, yeah. cliffs and mountains. Cliffs and, you can surf up against. And stuff. But yeah, I just, um, I know a lot of times along, when you surf places like that, it comes along with uh, some wildlife. And so I just mm -hmm. wondered, like, if you, if you had any story about surfing a place that was maybe particularly beautiful, but maybe a little uh, fraught with peril as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in my in my travels, I, you know, sort of rewinding like your your observation is super spot on. I mean, when I when I started, you know, I. I obviously started like doing NSSAs like anybody else, but I was so bad at contests mainly because I just lacked like the, the like to battle a friend or, you know, and then yeah. my overall confidence level was always pretty low in, in a contest situation. And, and so I, I started getting opportunities to like go on the shoot photos and, and I definitely, I was, I was wise enough to know like, Hey, if you do a little air and there's no backdrop, but if you do a little air and there's a backdrop, that photo is X amount better. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So I was always very conscious of it. And, um, you know, I, I always, I never really looked at myself like as a, you know, even going through into the video world and getting paired next to, you know, like, Volcom was always a giant team and, and those guys always gave me great opportunities, but there was such a big team and that it was really hard to, you know, ever stand out there. And, um, so when I started, when I lined up with Joe G and the globe crew, that was such a small tight team and it was so intimidating because it was like world champions, you know, it's like yeah. the Hobgood and Dion. I, I mean, then you like Taj and yeah. Dion and, like even Aki was around when I started. It was just wow. like I just felt like some little foot like uh, photo kid. You know what I mean? That like <laughs> posed for errors or whatever. So I was just like, oh my god, what am I doing here? So that part was always like, I don't know. That that part always freaked me out, but it pushed me so much harder because I just, you know, it was the one the little bit of confidence I had. I was like, just look at this as like the crazy opportunity and. And, you know, Joe was, he's always so cinematic that that whole world of like, oh, surf up against a cliff and where it's black on film and our spray is lit up. Like it, I don't know. I, I think I just was real turnkey with that whole world, you know? So yeah. that, that part was pretty amazing. And, um, but yeah, as far as the, the kind of wildlife, um, I remember on, on that, the very first, uh, year zero trip with Joe because so that was when I when I joined that team and they started filming for year zero okay and, um, the very first trip was uh to western Australia and it was just myself and the Hobgoods until Dion got there but I didn't really even know anybody and I mean it's not too crazy especially for West Oz because it's so active but I just remember one of the very first sessions I ever served with the Hobgoods it was just just those two and myself out there and um just sort of making small talk like awkward <laughs> like trying to talk to your heroes and we fully got chased out by like a group of sharks and it was just like <laughs> i don't know it was just the funniest like like to look over and you're trying to talk to like one of your heroes and fumbling and then he just yells like shark and <laughs> it was just like the weirdest <laughs> moment like reality check of like okay we'll restart this again. So I don't know. There was just, there's been, like I said, I've been fortunate and I've gotten to travel a lot and I've had a lot of weird interactions with, uh, with wildlife for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, uh, I love those hot good boys. They're fantastic. Yeah. Oh it's, it's great. CJ's, you know, back living in Florida here and, um, has actually been a big supporter of the film festival and, and comes out whenever he's in town and it's always good to see him. He, there's really maybe not a nicer guy, um, on the no, planet than that really. guy. Like it's, it's so enjoyable to see him every time. We'll have to, if you, if we get you out here in November, we'll have to make sure he's in town and oh, yeah. link you guys back yeah, up. No, those guys, 
those guys from day one make me feel so welcome on that team. So I, I forever keep those guys high up on my hero list. Always will. Good stuff. Well, Nate, I have to say it's been a pleasure to catch up with you after uh, all this time. It's been eight years now yeah. since we've seen you. And uh, yeah. glad to hear your family's wow. doing great and you're doing well and the, and the you know, the artistic side is still flourishing and, and, you know, continues to. So thanks for sharing your time yeah. with us today, man. Oh, thank you guys for having me back. I mean, I've been on like a, a hiatus of not doing much surf stuff. And um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited to come out and see you guys and showcase this, showcase this film that has kind of brought me back in the, in the mix where I get to chat with people about surf again. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, we, we can't wait to have you back out and, um, yeah, we enjoyed chatting with you. Okay, great. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. You All got right. it, Nate. Cheers, buddy. All right. Bye. See ya. What an interesting guy. I know. I feel like I've been, uh, I don't know, avoiding my destiny, which I feel is not construction. Definitely not like hand (laughs) or manual labor. I I just know that I would need Nate to help me with that part. Yes. But like living up in the, in the hills above perfect surf sometimes at least. And, uh, in California, obviously dreamy. Yeah. So amazing. Just dreamy. I just, I know he didn't intend to make it sound like that. And I, he, I think he knows how lucky he has it, but I, yeah, it's just what a priceless, uh, landscape that he's described. I can't wait to like kind of when I'm out there, just kind of check it out and just kind of drive around there. Yeah, Cause you've never been that zone. Have you? No, I might just give him a call and ask for a little tour. Yeah. It's amazing. Like I was lucky enough to, you know, go to school there and, uh, just that, that whole region from, from Ventura, Oxnard, North, um, which is technically still Southern California, but they 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 really cut it off at Santa Barbara. Anything north of Santa Barbara, they want to call it Central California. Mm. But it is stunning. Mountains right into the ocean. Point breaks. Just the well, the most gorgeous temperate weather. Like you said, it's it's beautiful. Let me know next time you're going. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make an effort to really get up there and, and check out that area. I did come down on the Big Sur Highway like we were talking about in the podcast and yeah. I got to go the whole distance, but, uh, we kind of cut, you know, East around Paso Robles, I think. And, yeah. you know, kind of cut off that. So I missed maybe the, the best part in, in that sense. I, I think the best part. Yeah. Right. When you get around point conception and, and just North of there, just the, the everything. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a goal. Got to put it on the list, but I'm really enjoying these podcasts where we talk to these really prominent surfers and then we don't really talk about surfing that much and we, we get to know them as people and they're really super interesting people. And Nate's certainly one of those guys and a fantastic artist and, um, yeah, family man and, you know, raising his, uh, family in a beautiful place and well, we know doing it the way he wants. Yeah. And, and surf, surfing is great and all, but it gets boring to talk about all the time. So yeah. we, we definitely uh, are lucky to have folks who are well-rounded like Nate Tyler to share their time, come on and make a great movie like he's done with uh, Perry and uh, you know, looking forward to sharing it with fans. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. We're going to show it in November and it sounds like uh, Nate is going to be down to come, uh, present the film along maybe with Perry and who knows, maybe, who knows? maybe Grayson and Connor as well. That'd be fantastic. What a tour that would be. Yeah, it'd be unreal. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Johnny, anything to say other than thanks to some sponsors out there? I uh, just always got to thank our sponsors. Um, obviously surfing's evolution preservation foundation, which makes the podcast possible. And then uh, the Florida surf film festival couldn't do that without monster energy, uh, globe footwear, Rourke apparel, uh, the lawyer dude, Yeti, Yeti, Nixon, Dragon, just Cre- got some Yeti of leisure, Yeti lunch boxes for the kids and Yeti uh, water cups with their name etched on it, oh, so you don't sweet. lose it. And, yeah. their, and their lunch box is like fully tagged. Like we lose so many lunch boxes and, and cups, it's like they have their name on them now. That's awesome. Yeah, it's money. So it's sweet. it's a good setup. Go on Yeti dot com and check it out. And uh, for the August event, we've got a new colorway for our Yetis, Rescue Red. 
Oh yeah, we got red in August. They're and so cool. Morgan, my uh, wonderful wife and branding uh, expert, uh, is pushing purple for November. So oh, all right. See that light right. sky purple. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We've got lots and lots of sponsors. Check them out online and support their local businesses. And uh, Sunbum. Well, yeah, Sunbum. No kidding. Get your sunscreen from Sunbum. Yeah, it's so hot out there right now. Definitely wear sunscreen. (laughs) There you go. My goodness. It is hot. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast. Cheers.